something about uh, the music that just brings joy to our heart. Uh, um, precious, precious uh, time. Just like when we get to heaven, there will be no preaching. It will be all, it will be all music, all worship, no preaching. Now, there will be a corner where the Baptists are. It's cement block wall. God knows that we could never worship with anybody else, so he's going <laughs> to cement block wall. And every once in a while, he's going to let a preacher get up and say, all right, you got five minutes. <laughs> I have to keep a... a pair of glasses in the pulpit because sometimes I forget mine and uh, I did that tonight so that's why I disappeared there I have been uh, moved a lot by the fact of what God is doing in relationships in my life I am uh Overwhelmed, I think, is the best way to say it, at how God has brought in my life in, oh, I, I would say in the last 20 years, God has put people in my life that have been so influential to me and have brought about a big change in my, uh, in my own attitude about living, about things of, uh, things of life, things of the Lord. And last time we, we talked about friendship, how that uh, friendship helps with loneliness. And I was really trying to figure out how, how I could express to you what my desire is in my life. Uh, years ago, when I worked on my uh, dissertation, my doctorate, Dr. Stewart required that I go through a, a battery of tests. It's, it's actually called a ministry profile. And I wish that uh, I had done that early, early in my ministry. I didn't. But when I went through that battery of tests, it's kind of like the Wagner test. You've had the Wagner test about spiritual gifts. I'm sure, has Lion Creek ever done the Wagner test on spiritual gifts? Okay, all right. So uh, all of you know what your spiritual gifts are. If you don't, you should be uh, aggressive in finding out what they are. But I went through this battery of tests, and I realized through that process that God had um, put in me a, a certain characteristic. And that characteristic is that I, am, I desire to be an influencer. I desire that... What I tell people, what I teach people, what I say to people would be something that would help them influence their life, make their life better. And so that's my motivation. That's my, not just spiritual gift. My spiritual gift, of course, is exhortation. But my, my, my motivation, you might say, is to influence people to make their life better. I would hope and pray that when you bury me, that people will say, I didn't like him at first, but I, I, I came to like him. (laughs) 
I've never been said, never, never said, anybody ever said that about me. Didn't like him at first, but I do now. No, seriously, I, uh, I, when, when I die, I really do want people to say, he made a difference in my life. I'm sorry. That, you may think that's selfish, but that's, that's my motivation. That's the way God, the old country people back home say, that's the way God turned me. Pardon me? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But, so I thought, what, what can I share with you that I have had to motivate me and bless me? And it's found in Philippians chapter 4. If you turn there, I've met a lot of people in my life that were um, phenomenal people. Santa and I were talking about a lady coming over here tonight, a lady named Barbara Johnson. How many have ever read Barbara Johnson? Okay. Um, great lady. Went through an awful lot of struggles in her life. One of her children died in a car wreck. One of her children was uh, uh, in the homosexual lifestyle. A lot of things this lady went through, and yet Barbara Johnson had a, a tremendous, tremendous witness. And um, a, a lady named uh, Patsy Claremont. Uh, Lived a, lived a very tough life. A lady named Dory Van Stone. Um, Sandra was sharing with me something on, uh, um, what's that lady's name? Joyce Meyer. That uh, her, her childhood was, was miserable. Um, I've got a lot of friends that have gone through things. And, and so I, God has blessed me by, by putting some people in my life that have shown me the things that they have gone through uh, have not changed them and have, have not made them bitter or angry or in any way uh, less than what they could be for the Lord. And so I'm, I think that in Scripture, there is one person that stands out to me above all the rest and the temperament that he had and the things that he did that strike me and bring me to a place of of, of not envy, but a, a place of desire. I wish I had what he has. And I find that in the Apostle Paul. Of course, the greatest Christian outside of, uh, in, in Christianity, the greatest, the greatest preacher of the gospel there's ever been was the Apostle Paul. It, it, to be honest with you, Paul was not an attractive man. Paul was probably short in stature. He had an eye problem that probably was... Um, repulsive um, don't want to make you sick but his eyes oozed they were they were um, very irritated as a matter of fact he wrote one letter somebody had to write for him and in one letter he said I actually wrote bigger which letter was that that's okay don't worry about it uh, and so what happened was uh, he was not an attractive person he was not somebody say man we're gonna go here to the apostle Paul tonight <laughs> they didn't say that about him. He was not that kind of a person. As a matter of fact, he told the church at Corinth, he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with swelling words. He had a, he had a, a competition at Corinth. What was the competi co uh, uh, competitor's name? He was a young preacher, could really preach. What was his name? Did you say it? <laughs> hmm? 
Apollos. Apollos. And uh, actually, he, Apollos was, was mentored by who? Aquila and Priscilla. And so what happened was when Paul went to Corinth, he knew he was against some stiff competition. And this is what he said. He said, I didn't come to you great swelling words of speech, but I came to you with power and demonstration of power of the Holy Ghost. So Paul was not the attractive person that we would probably put him. He wasn't a, a, apparently a dynamic preacher. As a matter of fact, when he spoke at Athens, he got in trouble. They said he was the babbler. And so what, what we see in Paul is not what we would imagine in this current Western mentality of a great motivational person. And yet, when he wrote Philippians chapter 4, he revealed four things I'm going to share with you tonight that have changed my life and have made me desire to be a motivator and change me to where I want my life to be so that God can use my life in such a way that it will bless other people and motivate them and influence their life to help them enjoy life. This is actually the title of this sermon, if you want to call it a sermon, is The Cloudless Life. The Cloudless Life. Wouldn't it be great to have a life we had no trouble wouldn't it be great if you, if you had a, a life where there were no bills? And there were, no, there were no burnt food. Wouldn't it be great if there was a life where, where the dog never bit you? <laughs> where your wife never fussed at you? I heard some grunts. Here it is. <laughs> Paul is going to tell us how to live that kind of cloudless life. If you've got your scriptures, would you stand and, and let's read Philippians chapter 4. I, I, I really hesitate reading it for sake of time, but it was such a great chapter. And uh, you, you all, all of you know it probably by memory. But Philippians chapter 4 beginning at verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity." Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Hang on to that verse. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Hallelujah. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. 
Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For, in, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound and am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I am always mindful that we live lives that no one knows. Jimmy and I heard a sermon a couple weeks ago called Behind Closed Doors. I hope and pray y'all never hear that sermon. I'm still stinging. I'm still burning. I mean, that rascal... He didn't just plow the corn. He pulled the hide off, and he stomped around on it for a while. That's, that's one of the toughest messages I ever heard in my life. But I can tell you this, that what God wants to do in us is he wants to make us of such fiber and such character that when we are around people, Whatever we are in private, whatever we are in secret, whatever we are in the tough times of life, he wants us to be so consistent that what we do is we have an air, we have a presence. Of course, we know it's the Holy Spirit working in us, but it creates an atmosphere around the people that we are associating with. They sense that presence. They sense that that character, that fiber, that person that has gone through in private the things that you don't talk about, the things that you trouble with, the things that you're struggling with, the attitudes. The, the, I was telling the, the, the fellows in the prayer room this morning, Hammonds are known for one thing, pity parties. We love pity parties. You won't come over to the house, we'll be, we'll be pitiful. We'll have pity parties all day long because we're Hammonds. Listen, what people want around you, and when they're around you, they want to sense the presence of God that has brought about a fiber, a character in you that has brought joy and victory and peace in your life. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've gone through, I, I have to pay my wife a compliment here. A lady walked up to her not long ago, well, a few years ago, and said to her, Sandra, I want to tell you, the one thing that I did when, when you went through your cancer was I watched you. Well, thank you. Well, don't you love it when people watch you? 
Are you so nosy? That's all you got to do? She said, I watched you. And I watched while you went through that cancer. And I watched that it didn't change you one bit. She said, I want to thank you that it didn't make you bitter. And she said, it didn't make you some person walking around with a Bible under your arm spiritual about everything. <laughs> she said, it just made you real. And you went through it, and God gave you grace through all of it. And I thought, hallelujah. That's what Paul is going to tell us about here. No matter what you go through. And listen, if you want some pickles, I got them. How many of you like pickles? See, y'all are sick people. I pro- you probably like it with ice cream. The truth is, is that pickles don't taste good. They're really bitter. But you trick your mind into thinking, well, that's a good pickle. <laughs> you know what they put in pickles? Deal. Eat, eat a stick of deal. I, I promise you, you won't eat another pickle. Listen, life is full of pickles. Life is full of all kind of stuff. What you do with that stuff, how you handle that stuff, makes all the difference in the world, not only in your life, but in the life of the people around you. Now, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I got this thing locked down, but I don't. I'm still learning the characteristics and the things that Paul talks about here. I'm going to give you four things. Very, very simple. Uh, I might even get out of here before 8.30. Four things I want to give you. This is awesome. There are four principles, I guess you'd call them principles, that Paul operates in this, in this letter. He reveals there are four things in his life that made him the great man that he was. I, I would call them principles. They're attitudes. They're, they're things in character. The first one is that... There was thanksgiving in his life. Thanksgiving in his life. Now I want to read a a statement of what thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is gratitude. And gratitude is making known to God and to others in what ways they have benefited my life. Paul said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Why would he say, don't worry about it? I worry about everything, don't you? I worry about the rain this morning. I sat in the office and I said, Lord, man, it's pouring down. The worst time is at, 11, at 50 minutes till 11 on Sunday morning. Why does he send a rain shower as heavy as that one? And you know what God said? This is exactly what he told me. Same thing I'm telling you every time he, I say something to him about this church. He says, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Do you know that we fret and we struggle and we lose peace because we aren't thankful? There's not a spirit of thanksgiving in us. Listen, do you know, do you know how blessed you are? Do you know how blessed you are? Do you know that you did not get a phone call this morning that they found your child dead on the highway? 
Did you know that this morning you woke up, we were talking about it in the prayer room, you woke up without a hangover. <laughs> you know how blessed you are? Do you know how blessed you are that you live in a house that's, that's got the peace of God in it? Listen to piano music. Do you, know, do you know how blessed you are to have the homes that you have, to have the character that you have, to have the things that God has blessed you with? Are you carrying around bitterness or are you carrying around thanksgiving? Would you say you're a thankful person? Would you say, man, you know what? I have got it made. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, but you, you're the one driving the Corvette. You can say that. Hey, guess what? My insurance jumped up miles because of that stupid Corvette. You think you got problems? I'm insured poor. Listen, if you walk around with this attitude that somebody's got it better than you, and God's not fair to you. And God is favoring this one. Well, thank God he made somebody good looking. <laughs> Be happy about it. You know, we are so careless about our thanksgiving. If you can learn to walk around with the Lord being thankful, a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of gratitude, being thankful to God and to others around you for the way they benefited your life. When's, when's the last time you walked up to somebody and said, listen, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you said today. I want to thank you for what you did today. I want to thank you. I want to tell you personally how much I appreciate what you did. How's, when's the last time you did that? Or when's the last time you had it done to you? Isn't it amazing at how God changes the whole nature of an event with thanksgiving. Everything can be going wrong. Everything can be going south. And when the, when the attitude of thanksgiving comes in, it changes the spirit of everything. If you want to influence people's lives, if you want to be a person that, that God can use to change situations, atmospheres, then learn to be a thankful person. Learn to live in this thanksgiving. That's what Paul said. He said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Do this in such a way that you're giving your supplications to the Lord. And the peace of God, the peace of God, it will, it will guide you. It will help you as you let thanksgiving overwhelm you. Because now you're not struggling with God about what he's doing in your life. Do you know what? Uh, we, we talk about the word meek all the time. And I think that we have a wrong concept of meek. We think that meek is weak. That the weaker you are, the more meek you are. The word meek has nothing to do with weakness. Meek means that you understand who you are in God. It just has to do with who you are in God. As I understand what he has done, I am thankful for what he's done. It changes the whole atmosphere, the whole dynamic when I understand that I can trust him. I don't have to worry because there is an attitude of thanksgiving. Everything he gives me, I should be thankful. 
Not questioning. Not trying to pick it apart. Why'd that happen? Why'd that happen? I don't understand why all this is going on. <laughs> Hello? Did you just get born? It's, it's been this way ever since I can remember. Remember what was on the diamond at Fulton County Stadium? What was, what was the rain cover that they did? What did it say? When it rains, it pours. More than salt, that's what they covered the field with. When it rains, it pours. That's life. You want trouble? Job said, man is born a woman, is a few days full of trouble. But if you can learn to be thankful, listen, it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get lighter. You know, we sing a song, it's really kind of a, 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 a mis, misnomer the way it says it. Sweeter as the days go by, it gets sweeter as the moments fly. Uh-uh. I don't know about you, mine doesn't get sweeter. <laughs> hey, I remember when it was, I had to buy birthday presents for, for the kids. And now all of a sudden, I got to buy them cars. <laughs> you think it gets sweeter? That doesn't get sweeter. See, that's, that's a misunderstanding. We think that it's going to get better. No, 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 no. It's not going to get better. He gets better. When it gets worse, he gets better. When, he gets, when everything's messed up, he becomes strong. And I'm thankful to him as I go through the storm. Oh, hallelujah. If, if one thing changes an atmosphere, it will be the spirit of thanksgiving. And so that's what Paul says. I'm learning to be thankful. I'm thankful. I pray with thanksgiving. The second thing he says is that I want to learn to control my thought life. I want to learn to control my thought life. One of the great problems that we have with our thinking, this is strange. Our thinking generally becomes self-centered. It generally becomes self-absorbed. What am I going to eat? Where am I going to go today? What have I got to do today? Now, if you're in, in my family, this is what you try to do. You, you get in the car and you say, oh, where are we going to eat? Anybody have this conversation? Listen, that, that shows you right there that we're absolutely spoiled rotten. So where are we going to eat? And so I'm gracious. I say, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> well, it does too. <laughs> we went somewhere the other night, and, and we went around and went around and finally got to a place, and it had pizza. And I ordered pizza. She said, I didn't know you wanted pizza. I told you I wanted pizza. <laughs> but we'll go wherever you want to go. Now, what that means is that we are masking we're masking what we really want. And we're trying to be gracious and loving. But the truth is, is that most of our life we are living taking care of what we want. Making sure I get what I want. Now, I don't know about you. And I thank God that God gave me a wife that doesn't do this. And I don't think I'm this way either. But I know an awful lot of people that manipulate everything to get what they want 
and they're not content people. Now, Paul said, if you handle your thought life, you're going to learn contentment. Listen to this. Contentment. Now, listen to this definition. Contentment is realizing God has provided everything for my present happiness. Wow. God has provided everything for my present happiness. What did he say in in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6? He said, having food and what? Raymond, be, be content. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. You want to live in this discontentment. Learn this. Life can be full of contentment. But if you live in this life of self-absorption, you know what you're going to think about? Look what he said. He said, control your thought life and do what? Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are pure. What sort of things are of good report? Think on these things. What, what is your thought life about? What is your thought life about? Your thought life, if it is about yourself, you're always going to be discontent. Because I want to tell you something. There's a little secret. I found this out. I know by experience you're never satisfied. You are never satisfied. We, we put the porch on the back house. We've been working on it, making it. A, we actually are making it a Florida room. Y'all know what that is? That's high society stuff. Get out. You know, we, we, we're building this little Florida room. And so I'm standing there yesterday. worked on it most of the day yesterday. I'm standing there looking out, and Sandra said, what you dreaming about now? Because I've, I've got it all laid out. What I want, what I want, what I want. I want to be able to walk out with my cup of coffee in the morning, and I want the birds to sing, How Great Thou Art. (laughs) Hey, Jura got it done. Why can't I? (laughs) Y'all don't know Jura, but she did. She goes out and looks over her pond, and she hears the music. I'm going to tell you, life's not going to happen that way. And the more you think, well, I'm grabbing at this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this, and then I'm going to be happy. Then it's all going to be, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because we are never satisfied. This is what he said. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Oh, do you know why? Do you know why people don't want to be around us? Do you know why the, the world looks at us and says, "Y'all are no different than we are." You're after the almighty dollar. You don't have enough. You got to get some more things. I love the commercial where the fellow says, "Did you hear about the Jones?" And they got something, and and uh, the fellow says, "It's okay. We'll refinance." We're always going. We're always looking. So, and, and there's one commercial where they p- get everything, pack them up in boxes, and they put them under the bed, and their closets are empty, and they say, we've got to go get, some, go get some more stuff because we're never satisfied. Could you be content? Now, remember, go back with me. In our, in our college days, <laughs> when we ate Hormel chili out of the can, 
Huh? Y'all with me? And grilled cheese was like steak. Hey, now, now you can't even, who buys grilled cheese anymore? Huh? Because <laughs> I still like the grilled cheese. <laughs> the truth is this. If you're not careful, you will get to a point where contentment is not a part of your life. And it's all about what you think. If you're thankful, then it should bring it down to your thought life that you're beginning to think on good things, on good report. So I don't have the new car. So I don't have this. So I don't have that. But I certainly have God's hand on my life. And I want his presence to be on my life. Even though I don't have everything I want, I'm going to learn to be content no matter what I'm under. The next one will get you now. This one, that one's okay. Thought life, that's okay. The next one is the characteristic of timing in our life. Of timing in our life. Paul learned to be thankful, he learned to control his thought life, and he learned to manage the timing in his life. Now, timing has to do with one word. It's called patience. Patience is this, accepting a difficult situation from God without giving him a deadline to remove it. Accepting a difficult situation from God without giving him a deadline to remove it. That's some tough stuff. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what, that's not easy to get out of my mouth. Patience is seeing that God has allowed something to happen in your life and being willing to go through it without giving Him a deadline or instructions to get rid of it because you don't deserve this. Wouldn't it be great if the boy always, if the cowboy always got the girl? Wouldn't it be great? Who is it sings that? Is it Alan Jackson or George Strait? The cowboy doesn't always get the girl. Alan Jackson. Okay. All right. Cowboy doesn't always get the girl. It doesn't always happen. The way you think it ought to happen and in the timing that you think it ought to happen. You, do you know that one of the greatest problems that we have, and I'm going to be honest with you, the root of all of our sin is rebellion. God has withheld something from us and we don't like it. And he said, you can't do that. And I said, why can't I? Did you ever tell your parents that? I did. Of course, I picked myself up and I told them. Hey. Why can't I do that? They, they do it. You're cheating me. Why can't I live like everybody else lives? And God says, no, I'm designing your life with the timing that I have for you. <laughs> Y'all don't know. You couldn't be sitting still if you understood what I'm talking about because I want you to know what God has done in my life has been phenomenal. Why did he wait so long to give me such a great church? I deserved it back then. Where were (laughs) y'all? Y'all are still flitting around too. 
The truth is, is that timing is God's business. When you can accept God's timing. Now, I don't understand the stuff that happens. I really don't. I cannot explain to you how all of it fits together, but I want you to know there is a sovereign God that knows how it all fits together. He is taking care of business. He holds it all together. By Him, all things consist, Colossians tells us. He holds it all together. What I must do is I must be accepting. Now, that doesn't mean I walk around with an attitude. Man, I'm so tired of this. I am so sick of that. I'm, have you ever heard this thing? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Huh? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it is all one thing. Now, look what he's saying. He's talking about how the, the church didn't help him. Here was the greatest missionary that ever lived. He did not have the cooperative program. <laughs> he didn't have a mission board behind him. He had a church in Antioch, and they pretty much just let him go on his own. And the churches around, they would send occasional help, but none of them were helping him. It was so bad in Thessalonica, he had to do what? He had to make tents. He had to work. The greatest, the greatest writer in the Bible wrote four, 13, 14 books, whichever, wherever you land on Hebrews. He wrote all of the Scripture. He even said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that the abundance of revelation that God gave me, here was the greatest man, and yet he wasn't being taken care of. I got another shock for you. Do you know that when Paul went to Jerusalem, he got saved on the Damascus Road. He went down to, to uh, um, um, Damascus, and they, they, they tolerated him. They were scared of him. He had warrants in his pocket. So what is he going to do? Well, God puts him in Arabia. We don't know for how long. Doesn't, doesn't say. Galatians 1.16 says that he went, he conferred not with flesh and blood. He went out into the desert, and he spent time with God. He got all of these revelations. He, Paul was a Jew. He was, he was a Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin. He was, he was a Pharisee. He was the man. And all of a sudden, God starts dissolving Judaism into Christianity. Can you imagine what this man was going through? The emotional drain. Here he was, a, a, a Judaizer. And now all of a sudden, he's becoming a Christian. The emotional wreck that he became, you, you just cannot understand what he went through. And whatever he did in Arabia, God settled it in him. He said to Timothy, I am persuaded. <laughs> Man, what he went through. What a transformation, not just being saved, but what a transformation God did in this great Bible writer. And he said, I am persuaded. Where did he get that? Do you know that when he got back to Damascus, they sent him on up to Jerusalem. Now, I got a shock for you. This is a shock. Paul went to Jerusalem, and guess what happened? They didn't like him. They were scared of him. They were terrified of 
So they didn't give him any kind of place. They didn't promote him. Do you know where they sent him? He was from a town, a colony called Tarsus. They sent him back to Tarsus. Now this is, buckle your seatbelt for this. Do you know how long we think he may have sat at Tarsus? We think between 8 and 12 years, the Apostle Paul sat still at Tarsus. He just came from God's school of theology. He is loaded for bear. He's got the credentials. He's got the stuff. You know where God put him? On his sofa. No, 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 no. Doesn't do that to me. I know too much. I got too much stuff. You can't do that to me. You can't set me down. You can't put me down. I've got too much. I'm too good. You know what he's saying? Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. Wow. Give me that. Give me that. That when people walk around me and they sense something going on in me, that they will sense the contentment and the patience that God is giving me to make this life what it needs to be. Last one, and this will shock you. The last one is that he gave Paul tolerance. Tolerance. That you've got to understand that everybody in your life has been put there by the sovereignty of God. Had a lady call me one afternoon. She said, Preacher, I got this rest home ministry. I said, Yes, ma'am, I know you do. She said, and my preacher can't go, so I need for you to fill in for him. I said, ma'am, I am not going to go anywhere where your pastor is supposed to be unless you have your pastor call me and tell me that it's okay. I want you to fill in for me. I would never do that to another pastor. That's just, that's just absolutely horrible. Don't, don't, don't ever ask somebody to fill in for me. Let me do that. That's my job. But... She, she said, I want you to fill in for, uh, for my pastor. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. She said, please, I want you to. I said, you get your, call, your pastor to call me. That woman talked for two solid hours. Two solid hours. I had a friend that was a disc jockey at a Christian radio station. And one day we were talking and, and he mentioned her name. I said, you know her? He said, when she calls the radio station, we just hang the phone up on the counter and <laughs> let her talk. And this is what she said. She would talk for two hours. And when she got through talking, she would say, let's pray. She didn't ask you to pray. She'd say, let's pray. And then she prayed, and that was it. And she hung up. She didn't care what you said. She didn't want to hear anything from you. I'm going, oh, man. Lord, help us. I told Senator, don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone. Come to find out this lady had had a situation in her life where she had lost her ability to speak. 
And she couldn't speak for 16 years. When God gave her a speech back, she said, I'm not going to stop. Hey, would you blame her? You can't blame the lady. I finally went to the rest home with her, and I'm up there. uh, I did my little thing, and she's up there running her mouth. And there are three ladies in the wheelchair sitting up front. You know how they are. (laughs) One of them looked at the other and said, this is the truth. And she didn't mouth the words. I didn't read her lips. I heard her. She said, I wish she would shut up. (laughs) I said, amen. (laughs) Listen. God puts people in your life. Joyce Landorf wrote a book called Irregular People. Anybody ever read it? Irregular People. If you want to get some entertainment, isn't that right? Read that book, Irregular People. I'm sure it's out of print, but you can probably get it off of Amazon. Irregular People. If you have somebody aggravates you, you need to read that book. Because God's put people in your life to make you what you are. He has put people in your life that fine-tune you, that sharpen you like a razor, and he's put some people in you just dull you to death. But he's put those people in your life so you can learn the spirit of tolerance. Paul said, some people couldn't help me, and some people wouldn't help me. But I thank God, what did he say, for all the saints. It is hard sometimes to love people. But God's put them there for you to learn tolerance. Thanksgiving, thought life, timing, and tolerance. God blessed me and my family. We went to Dalton, Georgia in 1988. I took Popper Springs Baptist Church. Great church, family church, great, great church. Pop Springs, one, one of the greatest churches. And, and uh, Bob Darty told me that, that Line Creek was a whole lot like Poplar Springs. And it was a great church. And one Sunday, I'd been there just a, a few weeks, and one Sunday God brought attention to a lady. She taught the ladies Sunday school class, the adult ladies Sunday school class. And this lady had 50? Was there 50 in the class? She had 50 ladies in her class. Now for a preacher, that's a threat. Listen, they can get you out in a heartbeat. She sat on the front row every Sunday sat on the front row every Sunday and I'm thinking uh, I'm going to have trouble with this woman I can tell she's WMU all the way (laughs) I'm going to have trouble with her she's going to give me a fit and in the eight and a half years I was this lady's pastor I have never met a lady that was more of a godly woman like Philippians chapter 4, than anybody I've ever met in my life. She was the consummate Christian. She was the quintessential Christian. She was the ideal. Listen, she's in glory right now, but I promise you, her name was so good, it was Grace. And Miss Grace taught me 
how to walk with God in the toughest times of your life. The woman never changed. The Spirit of God kept that woman so consistent. Do you know that after just a couple of weeks or months being her pastor, I never worried about her ever hurting me in her Sunday school class. Jimmy, I knew that whenever she went in that Sunday school class, she would always stand with her pastor. I knew that. I never had a problem with it. She never gave us not one minute. She was crazy. She could have more fun than anybody I ever saw in my life over silly stuff. But she was such a godly woman. And I said, Lord, teach me that. Teach me that. I want you. I, I hope and pray you understand. I, I cut up. I say I'm mean as a snake and all that kind of stuff. And, and I you know, say good morning when it's nighttime. And I, I cut up. I, have, I want to have a good time. But I want, you, I want you to be so comfortable, comfortable. I want you to be so comfortable around me that I can influence your life with the power of God. That's what Paul's saying. Paul said, I have learned. And whatsoever state I'm in, there would be content because I've learned that I am all things to all people. What are you telling people around you? What is your spirit telling people around you? I hope and pray that this has meant something to you. I'm still working on this. This is hard, hard core stuff. And I'm still working on it. So I ask you to pray for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us now. Lord, help us have the spirit of thanksgiving. Help us to have the, 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 the ideas of right thinking, our contentment. Lord, help us in our, in our patience, our timing, our, our willingness to let you take care of problems. And then, Lord, help us to be tolerant of the people around us that aren't like us, but they're still your people. And I pray that you'd touch us. Help us to be the most effective in our life that we can be. Fine-tune us. Make us what we need to be for your glory and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you stand, please?